it's it's all God's doing, and we just we just give Him all the glory. I do thank God for this wonderful opportunity to be able to share and to see what God will speak to us. His word every morning, His word is new. Right, this morning, by the grace of God, I will be speaking to us on waiting upon the Lord, which was what I shared with with the men on Friday. Like I said before, um, when I was asked, uh, when I was, you know, when Pastor Barry said to me, if you would consider, you would pray about, you know, leading and sharing in the last, in the next men's meeting. So what came to me first was, you know, what is God doing in my life at this time? What is God saying to me? I haven't got anything specifically prepared, ready. But I'm thinking, well, this is what God is is teaching me at this time, and I'm learning through this. And I think, yeah, I think it will bless me, myself, and it will bless others much more as well. Why don't you just share what God is doing in your life? So whatever I'll be sharing with you today, don't think I personally have got it right. Personally, myself, I'm learning through it. I'm growing through it. This is what God is is teaching me at this time. And this is what God is doing in my life. And I pray and I hope that you'll be blessed. So we're speaking about waiting upon the Lord. And the first thing that I want to just speak about is what does the word mean to wait? The, the dictionary meaning just means uh, to stay where one is or delay until a particular time or event. So the ordinary meaning of the word wait just means, you know, stay where you are, you know, be in that position or to delay something until a particular time or until a particular event happens. And I spoke about waiting upon the Lord means to stay where we are or to delay until God's timing. So for me, waiting upon the Lord means for me to be where I am, to wait and to see what God wants to do, to stay where we are, or for me to delay until God's timing. And I love this scripture in Psalm 130 verse 5. He said, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I do hope. If you look at those whom the Lord used or people that the Lord uses so greatly for his purpose, I've looked at quite a lot of different people that I've seen in the Bible, in in our world today. There's something you see in common in the life of these people. And it is one thing, there are people who are ready or who are willing to wait upon the Lord. There are people who wait on him. And I'll be taking us through a few examples and what we can learn from their lives. The first person I want to speak about is Abraham. Why does Abraham have to wait upon the Lord? And, you know, for what reason? What was God's purpose in that? I said the, um, the first reason that I said was that the Lord might be glorified, that all the glory will be to the Lord. So at the end, when the result eventually comes, at the end, when it does happen, it will not be about you, it will not be about me, it will not be about anyone, it will be about the Lord glorified. If you see in Genesis 15, the Lord gave a promise to Abraham. God promised Abraham in Genesis 15, 1 to 5. I will just read on the screen. 
After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the hair of my house is the layers of Damascus? Then Abraham said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my hair. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your hair, but one who will come from your own body shall be your hair. Then he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. So the Lord gave Abraham this wonderful promise. He said, Abraham said to the Lord, Look, what is going to happen to me? I'm, I'm getting towards the end of my life. What happens when I die? Is it going to be Eliezer that will take over everything? But, you know, Eliezer is a son of one of the, the slaves. He's not actually the son from my own body. But the Lord said to him, look, look at the stars in the sky. Can you number them? Can you count them? The Lord says, so shall your descendant be. But I want us to take note of something. What happened between the promise, the time in Genesis 15 when the Lord made this promise to, to Abraham, and the time the, the promise actually came into being. So basically, Abraham had to wait for solid 25 years. And why does he have to wait for 25 years? We will come to know that after. So what happened in between? Sarah and Abraham, they tried to help God because they couldn't wait. You know, Sarah said to Abraham, look, I don't know what will happen. It looks like, look at our situation. It's not going to happen. Why don't you go in with one of my slaves? And, and the result was Ishmael. And this is the same thing that I see in the life of people and even my own self. When we don't wait upon the Lord, when we are not patient enough to wait upon him, the result is Ishmael. And we know what that means for us today. So really, whatever decision we make today, whatever we decide to do, whatever we decide to do with what God has told us or what he's saying to us, there will be a consequence. And we know that consequence still today. So that, that decision that Sarah and Hebram decided to make without consulting the Lord, because they couldn't wait enough. I wonder what happened to Abraham at that point. I wonder whether Abraham didn't say to Sarah, look, in chapter 15, I've been promised. The Lord is, is shown me, and the Lord has made it clear. He said it to be someone from my own body. But I don't know. Maybe Abraham thought, well, Ishmael is from my body. But that wasn't the Lord's promise. That wasn't what the Lord is saying. And we will see that further. Why 25 years? In Genesis 18, 1 to 14, I will read. Then the Lord appeared to him. Genesis 18, 1 to 14. Then the Lord appeared to him by the terrible trees of Mamre, as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. And said, My Lord, if I find favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servants. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet, 
and rest yourselves under the tree, and I will bring a morsel of bread, and you may refresh your heart. After that, you after that you may pass by, inasmuch as you have come to your servants. They said, Do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. To prepare it. So he took butter and milk and calf, which he had prepared, and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree as they ate. So they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, Is here in the tent? And they said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent store, which was behind. I want you to please mark the word according to the time of life. I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. If we read from verse 11, continuing. Now Abraham and Sarah were old. They were well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being hold also. And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child, since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you, according to the time of life, and Sarah will have a son. If you look at what I've presented here in, in, in verse 11, Abraham and Sarah, they were old. The Bible said that. They were well advanced in age. Theoretically, they've passed the age of childbearing for Sarah and for Abraham as well. In, 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 the, in the human sense, according to science, according to medical proofs, they've passed the stage where they could possibly have a child. And look, Sarah said the real thing here. She said, look, I'm holding myself. And look, look at my Lord. Of course, we know Sarah calls Abraham a Lord. Look, my husband is old as well. What is going to happen? What is this happening? What are you talking about? But in verse 14, we can see what the Lord is saying. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life. And Sarah will have a son. I've heard so many people and I've used that myself saying, is anything too hard for the Lord? But that's where I stopped. I didn't carry on to, to read the rest of it because I'm like, you know, the Lord will do this. Nothing is too hard for you to do. But I didn't carry on to finish the whole scripture. At the appointed time, the Bible says, I will return to you according to the time of life. So why do they have to wait for 25 years? Number one, Sarah would have passed a childbearing age. And what does that show us? When that happens, no man can take the glory. No man can say, right, I've worked this out. This is because of my own strength. This is because of my own skills. This is because I've been able to do this or that. No. God had to do that. That had to happen because there is a purpose. 
there is an appointed time. There is a time the Lord had on his calendar. Right, we see the testimony when Isaac was born in Genesis 21, 1-7. And I wanted to, to, to see this in, in depth, what Sarah said. And the Lord visited Sarah, I'll start from verse 1, Genesis chapter 21, from verse 1-7. to 7. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. Let's hold on there. The Lord visited Sarah and the Lord spoke to her. If you look at, I underline the word he had said, he had spoken. As you can see in, in Numbers 23, just give me a second. In Numbers 23 verse 19, I want to quote the scripture. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. As he said, and he will not do, or as he spoken, and he will not make it good. So if the Lord is said it, if it is of the Lord, if the Lord is giving his promise, if the Lord is spoken his word to you through his word, through revelations, through visions or dream, through prophecy or whatever means the Lord is spoken to you. If he had spoken, he will do it. But now we have a responsibility. Are we willing to wait to the time? Are we getting ready to wait to put ourselves in that position where it eventually happens? We will know that, yes, this is the Lord doing his work. So the Lord has spoken and surely he will do. He will never lie. We turn on from verse 2. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham his son in his old age at the set time of which God has spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him whom Sarah brought to him, Isaac. That, that makes me smile a little bit when I read that. It's like, why is it repeated? It's not a repetition. It's an emphasis. The Lord is making it clear. Look, I'm talking about the child that I promised, not the child that Abraham tried to create for himself, which was the result was Ishmael. This is the one that I've promised, Isaac, whom Sarah brought to him not Agai, not Ishmael. I'm speaking about Sarah and I'm speaking about Isaac. I'm speaking about the son of the free woman, not the son of the slave woman. Of course, we know the rest of the story. We know what happens with the son of the, you know, slave woman and the son of the free woman. And we can say that even in our work today, while we are in what state we have. Then Abraham circumstanced his son when he was eight days old. And God, as God had commanded him. Now, Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh. And all who hear will laugh with me. She also said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would not children? For I have born him a son in his old age. Look at that. Who would have said to Abraham? that Sarah would nurse children. You know, who would believe? Who, who would say this in their, in their own mind? There is no one that will ever say that. Only the Lord can do this. Only the Lord is able to do the impossible. You know, when it seems all hope is gone, when it seems everything is finished, the Lord is there. He's waiting. 
and he has his appointed time. And at the set time, at the appointed time, he will come and he will not tarry. Why 25 years? We can see, and we can see from the testimony. And what was the testimony? It is that Sarah would see for herself that, look, this is it. This is what God wants to do. We have passed it. We cannot do it in our own strength. We are now in a state where it's only the Lord that has done this for us. And anyone who heard this with me will laugh as well. How can I, at my old age, have a child? How can Abraham, at this particular age, have a child? So this is beyond human reasoning. So when the Lord is asking you to wait, the Lord is preparing a testimony. The Lord is preparing you and Isaac. When you are in that state where you don't know what the future holds, hold on to his promise, hold on to his word. If he had spoken, if he had said it, he would do it. The Lord is not a son of man that he will repent. And we can see the testimony in Hebrews 6, 13 to 15. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless him, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Mark the word in verse 15. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. He had a responsibility, endurance. For us to wait upon the Lord, we must be willing, we must be ready to walk, to wait patiently for the Lord. Another example I want to speak about is Moses. We all know about the story of Moses, so I won't spend much time speaking too much about the beginning, how he was raised. But I saw something in the life of Moses that really surprised me. And I said, hey, if you are not ready or willing to wait upon the Lord, we cannot learn his ways. To learn the ways of the Lord, we must wait on him. And I really love the prayer of David, when he said, teach me your statutes, O God, you know, it's like, Lord, teach me your ways. So for us to learn the ways of the Lord, we must be willing and we must be ready to wait on him. So Moses tried to fight for his brethren by killing an Egyptian. And that got him into trouble that he had, that he had to flee to Midian. If we remember in Exodus chapter 2, when Moses looked out and he saw an Hebrew man and an Egyptian man fighting, and he went to fight for his people, which is the, the Hebrew people, and he killed the Egyptian. He tells you, wow, this, this was be a really strong man, isn't it? For you to go and just like that, go on, get someone and, and strike him down and he's gone. But more than that, the Lord had a purpose for Moses. More than that, the Lord knew he will use Moses. And of course, I think maybe Moses had an idea. Look, my people are suffering. I need to get them out. But much more than that, the Lord had to teach Moses, look, Moses, you can't do it like that. That is not the way. That is not the plan. That is what happened when we try to help the Lord, when we try to do things in our whole strength. We get ourselves into trouble. And what was the trouble? The next thing that happened was there were two Hebrew men now fighting or have, you know, disagreements. And Moses was trying to, to, to resolve it. And they said to him, hey, careful, please don't kill me as he killed the Egyptian. And then Moses knew, right, I'm in trouble because I've tried 
in my own strength. And what happened? If you look at what happened to Moses, and Moses actually had to wait for 40 years. For 40 years, according to the book of Acts 7.30, and when 40 years had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. And I've got a question. Why does Moses have to wait for 40 years? Lord, why not 30? But look, your people are suffering in the land. There is an urgent need, Lord. Look, your people shouldn't suffer for too long. Just equip Moses in five years and let him go back and deliver your people. But no, Moses had to wait for 40 years. Before men, 40 years, because of our perception of time, and because of what we think about time, we've got a particular number of hours in a day, seven days a week, how many weeks in a month. So the way we see time is not the way the Lord sees time. Because God is at the beginning and is at the end. So before the Lord, everything is like now. So nothing is hidden before him. He sees the end right from the beginning. But to us, in our own human calendar, it's like 40 years. That is a long time. But Lord, why 40 years? You could, you could get him ready in one year. Look, your people are really suffering. You could deliver your people quicker, but there was a purpose in that. And the answer was because he couldn't get ready in 39 years. So Moses, he couldn't do it in 39 years. So he had to wait for 40 years. And what was the testimony that was recorded about Moses in Numbers 12.3? Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. So what happened between that man who stood up and within a few seconds killed an Egyptian, and now in Numbers 12.3, it was recorded that he was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. What happened to Moses? The Lord has dealt with Moses. The Lord has broken him. The Lord is, is, is shaped him through the waiting time. For him to wait for 40 years, the Lord is walked in his heart. The Lord is walked in his mind. The Lord is shaped him to, yes, Moses, this is the original plan. This is the mission. This is what we have in mind, not what you were 40 years ago. So how come he was the meekest man? Because he had been broken by the Lord and he has learned the way of the Lord. He has learned to do things differently. He has learned to do things in a better way. But how did they learn this thing? He had to wait for 40 years. So can we see what happened between when the promise was made and when the actual event happened? So he had to wait for 40 years. The Lord knew, I will use you, Moses, to deliver my people. I will use you to set my people free. I will do my great wonders, my great miracles in and through you. But before the Lord will walk through Moses, the Lord had to walk in Moses. So I think we have to get that right. If the Lord wants to walk through me, if the Lord wants to walk through you, the first thing he does is he walks in us and he walks in you and he walks in me as well. So you have to think when, when you are praying or when you're looking forward or when you are like in that position, you want the Lord to use you. I think another thing you should have in mind is before the Lord will do that, he will firstly work in you. And this is what we saw in the life of Moses. The place of waiting is a place of training and equipping. 
We saw that in the life of Moses. For those 40 years, the Lord was getting him ready. The Lord was preparing and equipping him. And while waiting upon the Lord, I will talk about the life of David. We know about the story of David. He was appointed many years before he actually became a king. You know, he had to wait for years. The Lord has anointed him. Does it mean he's not anointed? No. Does it mean the Lord made a mistake when he was anointed to be king? No. The Lord had a purpose. The Lord had to prepare David. The Lord had to get him ready. And my question is, how long do we have to wait? How long do you and I have to wait? And who decides how long we wait? It is not about me. It is not about you. The Lord is the one that determines. Lord is the one who decides how long you wait. The Lord is the one who decides how long you and I, we are to wait upon him. So it's not about our own strength. It's not about our own skills. It's about the Lord and the Lord alone. When God's calling is upon our lives or we have a God-given vision, like in the life of David, who was anointed, our ability to wait upon him determines what the outcome will be. So if you're not willing to wait, if you're not willing to, to go through that process, to go through that time of being prepared, of being, of being ready for what the Lord will do, you are not in a good place. So the best place to be is if God is giving you that vision, if God is giving you that dream, if God is giving you that is word, there is a time of waiting. And let's look at David's testimony. I really love that. In Psalm 40, verse 1 to 3, this is his testimony. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he, he climbed to me. He heard my cry. He also brought me out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it and fear, and we trust the Lord. Right, so we can see why David had to wait. You can see the testimony at the end. I waited patiently for the Lord. Not only do I wait, but I waited patiently for the Lord. And you can see what the Lord did for him. He inclined his ear to him. The Lord heard his cry. He brought him out of that horrible state he was. Because Saul was after his life. He was living in caves. He was running for his dear lives. Does that mean, you know, God doesn't know what he's doing? No. The Lord had a purpose. The Lord had to get him ready. The Lord had to equip him. So when we wait upon the Lord, he orders and he, establish, he establishes our steps. You can say that according to, to what David said. He said, and he established my steps. So when the Lord established your steps, it doesn't matter whether men want it or not, whether, you know, Men are happy with it or not. But when the Lord is done it, he will do it. But we have a responsibility to wait upon him. The Lord orders our steps as well. He orders our stops. So when the Lord is ordering your steps, he orders your stops. When he's asking you to move, when he's asking us to wait, when he's asking us to sit, when he's asking us to stand. So we have a responsibility. And of course, I want to go and speak about very briefly about the perfect example, Jesus himself, and we speak about Joseph briefly and the disciples. In Genesis chapter 37, Joseph had a dream 
And the Lord said to him, Joseph, this is what I will do. You shall become great. Your brother shall bow before you. And he, he shared his, of course, he shared his dream with his brothers. They were like, right, okay. Now we know what you are planning. So you want every one of us to bow before you. Now you've got a big head, all right. But even in all of that, all that Moses had to go, all that Joseph, I mean, had to go through. He went to prison, was in the pit, was at the Potiphar's house. He had to go through the test. The Lord was equipping Joseph. The Lord was getting him ready. And we saw that, and we saw the testimony of Joseph at the end. What about Jesus, a perfect example? If there is anyone you think, all right, let's get it done, you think it will be Jesus. But we saw something amazing in the life of, of Jesus himself. He had time. He waited for an appointed time. We can see that over and over about Jesus saying, I'm, you know, about Jesus waiting for a particular time, waiting for a particular event. You know, the Lord Jesus said, look, I do not do anything unless I see what my father does. So the, Jesus wasn't going ahead of himself. Jesus was walking with the Lord. And on many occasions, we hear after the Lord, after he is ministered, the Lord Jesus sets himself aside. Why does he do that? It's a time of refreshing. It's a time of thinking. It's a time of waiting, of reflecting. And we say that in the life of our perfect example, Jesus. I'll just speak briefly, quickly about the life of Mary and Martha. We saw in the book of Luke 10, 38 to 42. I'm not going to read through that, but if you go through that, you see that when Jesus visited Mary and Martha, Mary was, you know, sitting at the feet of Jesus and Martha was, was busy running around. And he said, look, will you not tell, tell her to help me? I'm, I'm, I'm really busy. I'm trying to serve here. You know, serving itself is not wrong. Serving the Lord, it's not a wrong thing. But when we try to do that in our whole strength, we get upset. When we try to do that in our whole strength, we run out of strength quickly. How long can we go? But the Lord said, look, she has chosen the right path. And no one will take that away from her. She's decided to sit at my feet, to listen to me, that not just wanting to do the service. The disciples themselves, they had to wait for an appointed time. We are told in the book of Acts how Jesus told them, wait until an appointed time. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, then you shall go out. So there is a time of waiting, even for the disciples. There is a time that they will be effective witnesses. They might go out to witness, but they may not be effective. And we can see the whole book of Acts, how the Holy Spirit was at work. So if they had missed that time, if they had missed that time of waiting, but that appointed time where they are together, they would have missed what God was going to do in or through them. And we saw examples of people who couldn't wait. For example, Saul, it's, it's really sad. In Samuel 13, 1 to 14, in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 1 to 14, we saw what happened to Saul. There was, there was pressure on him. And because of that, he couldn't wait for Samuel. Samuel told him, wait for seven days. Actually, he waited for seven days. But I think it was an hour or two hours for the rest of an hour or two hours. He couldn't wait. Because we saw the moment Saul decided to take the, you know, to do the sacrifice himself. Because Saul is a king. You are not a priest. You are not 
it is not your responsibility. That is not the Lord's calling for your life. And that is what we see in our generation with what is happening in our world. Everybody wants to be something. Everybody wants to be somebody. Everybody wants to be in a position. Everybody wants to have a platform. You know, everybody wants to be able to do multiple things. But look, the Lord knew you. In Psalm 139, we can see the Lord's perfect knowledge about men. He knew you. He's equipped you. If he ordained you before you were born, he knew you before you were conceived. He knows your ability. He knows what is prepared for you. So for Saul, for, for Samuel, he's past his boundary. Look, Samuel has told us to wait for seven days. Yes, we've waited seven days, but I couldn't wait an hour or two extra. Why did I say an hour or two extra? Because we saw immediately after Saul made the sacrifice and he got out, Samuel was coming and he went straight to meet Samuel. And Samuel said to him, what have you done, Saul? And we saw, of course, what happened at the end and the punishment and the judgments that came upon him because he couldn't wait that extra hours. The same thing we've seen, you know, people, we've seen maybe even ourselves, like, ah, I wish I'd waited a little bit longer. I wish I've done something different a little bit. And we saw that in the life of the children of Israel as well, in Exodus 32, when Moses went to receive the commandment from the Lord, they said, look, we don't know what has become of this Moses. It's, it looks like he's not going to come back. It looks like he's taking too long. And they made for themselves a, a golden calf. And they said, this is the God, you know, what they've made themselves. This is the God that delivered us from Egypt. And I'm thinking, wow, this is, this is really, really serious. And this is really sad in a way that after these people have seen God's miracle, after they've seen the great and mighty things the Lord has done in their lives, yet they couldn't wait. They were like, we don't know what has become of this Moses. But for every one of us, we, we might be quick to judge these Bible characters. We might be quick to say, look, the children of Israel, they are so foolish, you know, they couldn't, you know, the, they've seen miracles. I have seen miracles. The Lord has done so many things that I've seen. But why is that sometimes I'm impatient? Why do I even sometimes try to do things in my own ability? Why not wait upon the Lord? And we can say that in 1 Corinthians 10, 1 to 13. I'll just read that quickly. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 to 13. I really love this passage because I see myself in that. Right. Moreover, brethren, I did not want it to be honored and when that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, and were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food, all, uh, all ate, all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well placed, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lost after evil things as they also lost it. And it carried on, and I want to lay emphasis on in verse 12. It said, therefore, let him who think he stands, take heed, lest they falls. The first thing that was written is they were written for examples. You know, that means there is a potential for you and I to be like them. 
So the Lord is telling to us in advance, look, I've given you the word now. They were written that we might learn from that ways, that we might learn from their impatience, for their inability to wait upon the Lord. You know, the Lord was, they've seen what the Lord has done in their lives. And I'm sure each and every one of us, we have miracles. We have things that God has done in our lives. We have situations where we think it's all over and we saw the Lord came into the situation and turn it all around. We've seen circumstances, we've seen situations that looks unmovable and the Lord came and did it. And yet we sometimes go back not trusting him. We sometimes go back not waiting upon him and wanting to do things in our own way. So as human, we do not like to wait. We always want to get into action, always wanting to do something. That is like always we want to get into action. Something has got to be done. There is a need. There is something that you need to do. But much more than that, the Lord is requesting for us to wait. He said, waiting requires patience and endurance. We cannot wait upon the Lord if we are not patient. So if I'm not patient with the Lord, if I haven't got that gift of the Holy Spirit of patience, how can I wait upon him? How can you wait upon the Lord? We can save a lot of time waiting on God. And the only thing other than waiting on God is wishing that you had. We saw that in the life of Samuel. He wished he had waited. I wish I'd waited two hours extra and Samuel will have been here. I wish I've done that. So that is, you know, according to human sense, you think I can save a lot of time waiting. You know, that seems wrong. It's like you've got to get into the action and then you think you are saving time. But with the Lord, it's not always like that. The Lord, if there, if there is anything the Lord wants to change, if there's anyone that the Lord wants to transform first, is you and I. If there's anywhere the Lord wants to do the biggest work, is in the heart of myself, is in the heart of you yourself. So the first thing the Lord does when he works with us, he deals with us first. And that time of waiting is a time that he's dealing with us, is a time that he's equipping us, is a time that he's teaching us what we would never otherwise be able to understand unless we've gone through it. We save ourselves from heartache and unnecessary pain and stress if we wait on God. It is important for us to wait upon the Lord if he will use us for his purpose. It is not about how fast we run. It is about what direction we are running. And this is what we see in our world today. There are so many of us, we are preoccupied. We have our own services. We have our own programs. We have our own list of things to do. But the question is, what direction are we running? You know, we are running so fast. We are going in that direction so quick. It's not about that. It's about what direction we are going. No matter how fast we run in the wrong direction, we will never get to our destination. So if you keep running in the wrong way, you would never get to the right place. So it doesn't matter how quick you run. doesn't matter Whatever way you decide to run, if you're in a wrong destination, you are completely in a wrong place. So how do we get the right destination? How do we know where to head to? It is when we wait upon the Lord. A man who cannot wait upon the Lord cannot stand before men. Before you know it, your strength will run out. Waiting is essential for our growth and work with the Lord. If 
you want to grow in your work with the Lord, you must be ready, you must be willing to wait upon Him. Trying to do the Lord's work in your strength is the most confusing, exhausting, and tedious of all work. When you try to do it in your own strength, when you think, yes, I can do this, yes, I've got the head knowledge, yes, I know what I need to do. Before you know it, how long can you go? And before you know it, it's like, right, okay, Lord, I surrender. Now I need to take it easy. Now I need to slow down. Now I need to hear more from you. Now I need to get the direction right. So let's not try to hide, to run ahead of ourselves. Let us wait upon the Lord. Let us not try to do the Lord's work in our strength. There is no man we've seen in the Bible or we've seen even in our life today who are genuine that actually waited upon the Lord and the Lord didn't work through them in many ways. But we've seen people that sound so clever, that sound so amazing, but they are all what? Just making noises. They're just like all over the place. You know, before you know it, they are up and in the next second they are down. But when you wait upon the Lord and the Lord lifts you up, he will keep you up because he has equipped you, because he has he is made you ready. You, you've waited upon him. He's giving you that that you need to actually sustain where he's taking you. And I really like this quote from Elizabeth Elliot. She said, waiting on God requires the willingness to bear uncertainty, to carry within oneself the unanswered question, lifting the heart to God about it whenever it intrudes upon one's thought. So waiting on God means our willingness to bear uncertainty. There are sometimes you can't just explain. There are some situations you cannot divine them. You don't know why. You don't know what God is doing. But much more than that, that is what God is. That is the position He wants us to be. He doesn't always explain everything to us. We don't have to understand everything. We don't have to understand what we go through. Everything we go through, and that really blessed me last time when Bill shared with us and spoke about the life of Corrigan Boom and her sister. You would think, how did the Lord preserve them? They suffered. They went through a lot of difficulty. Eventually, Betty, her sister, she died. And you think, how did the Lord preserve them in all of that? But of course, we can see from what Bill shared. And that really, really struck my heart. I'm thinking, wow, this is amazing. Even when we think in the darkest situation, when we think in that hopeless situation, when we think the Lord is far away, no, is no, is right there. And if we are willing to wait, if we are willing to sit beyond the current situation, we will see the Lord's hand in the situation. So lifting our heart to God, whenever it intrudes upon one thought, every time you keep thinking about it, but whenever that comes to you, just lift your heart to the Lord. Lord, I don't understand. Lord, I can't explain. Lord, I don't know why I'm in this situation. I don't know why this is coming. I don't know why this is happening, but I trust you. So wait upon the Lord in his word. Wait upon the Lord in prayers and wait upon the Lord daily. When we wait, the Lord will give us direction. And I say when you wait upon the Lord, it brings God's favor upon you. We say that all through. We say that in the life of Joseph because of what he had to go through. We see the Lord, the hand of the Lord, and we see the Lord's favor upon his life. We saw that even amazingly in the life of Jesus. The Bible said Jesus grew 
in favor before God and before men. Isn't that amazing? Because all those times, the Lord was Jesus himself at a time of waiting, and we saw the Lord's favor upon his life. And the same thing to us. If you are going to wait upon him, his favor will be upon our lives. Waiting upon the Lord doesn't mean you are weak. The opposite is true. If you want to say anything that is more difficult, try not to wait upon the Lord. And you will say, right, I wish I'd waited, like I said earlier. So it doesn't mean you are weak when you wait upon him. Waiting upon the Lord makes us dependent on God. And that is the best place to be. The Lord always, every time, wants us to be dependent on him. And the only way you can be dependent on the Lord is in the place of waiting. When you are waiting upon him, when you are waiting upon the Lord in, in prayers, when you are waiting upon the Lord in his word every day, that is when we are in that place of depending upon him. And that is where he wants us to be. He doesn't want us to get complacent. He doesn't want us to feel we can do it in our own strength. Waiting upon the Lord brings renewal and refreshing. I found this in my own life personally when I've had difficult day, difficult week, challenging situations, things I don't understand. But whenever I'm just able to rethink and put myself in that place of waiting and, and just wait upon the Lord, immediately there is renewal, immediately there is refreshing, immediately the situation seems different. What I thought was a problem, it seems like actually it wasn't a problem. But what happened, what has happened between that time that I was struggling with it and within that time that I felt peaceful about it, something happened in between. I waited upon the Lord. Even for that short while, the Lord helped me. So if you are going through a difficult time, if you are going through a stressful time, whatever it is you might be going through, wait upon the Lord. It will bring renewal. And it will bring refreshing. And I said, waiting upon the Lord is not a time wasted. It is a time invested. Like I said earlier, it is a time of equipping. The Lord is getting you ready. The Lord is preparing you. And waiting requires trusting. You know, you cannot wait for someone you do not trust. For example, if someone says to you, I will come and see you next week. But if you don't really trust the person, it's like, well, I'm not sure. I, I don't think I can wait. I don't think I will wait for you because I'm not, I don't sure I'm not sure because I don't trust you that you will say what you say you will do. But I want to ask you a question tonight. I want to ask you a question this morning. I mean, do you trust the Lord? You know, do you really, really, I mean, trust in the Lord? If you really do, wait for him and he will act. When we wait, he's working and never give up waiting on God. When we wait, he goes ahead of us because he knows the future. We don't know. We don't know what tomorrow brings, but we can trust him with our tomorrow. Our tomorrow is secure in him. If we will wait on the Lord, wait on God continually in Hosea 12, 6. So you, by the help of your God, return, observe mercy and justice, and wait on God continually. Underline the word, wait on God continually. It's not just for a season. It's not just for two days or three days, for a week, for a year or for 30 years. You are to wait on the Lord every day, every time, continually. And you see the promise in Isaiah 49, 23, then you will know that I'm the Lord, for they shall not be ashamed who wait for me. 
So you would never be ashamed. This is the Lord's promise. You can go to sleep on this. You can rest your life on this. That if you have a weight upon the Lord, even when the old situation seems really, really shameful, but if you will wait upon the Lord, this is his promise. You will know you shall not be ashamed, those that wait on me, the Lord is saying. And Isaiah 40, 31, this is the end of it, which is really powerful. But those who wait on the Lord, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So it's not about your strength. It's not about your ability. It's not about your skills. It's not even about the God's given vision and dreams you have. It is about those who wait on the Lord. If you will wait on the Lord, if you will put your trust in him, if you will just take that place of rest in the Lord, waiting upon him in his word, in prayers, in fellowship with him. He will give you strength. He will renew your strength. He will help you to be like an eagle. If you look at the life of an eagle, it's, it's really amazing how much strength they have and how they so very iron. And if you look at the life of eagles as well, it's like they, they get stronger the stronger the wind is, the more they really, really enjoy that. But for us, it's the opposite. It's like, I don't want trouble. I just want to get on with the job. I just want to get it done. But much more than that, in those difficult situations, in those challenging times, in those times when you feel everything is gone, when you feel all hope is lost, wait upon the Lord. He will renew your strength. He will make you strong. And you shall not be weary. And when you walk, you shall not faint. That is the promise of the Lord. And I hope and pray that this has blessed you, this has encouraged you, and at the same time, challenged and inspired you. Shall we just pray? Lord, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is true. Lord, we thank you that you are faithful, God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for that privilege and for that grace, Lord, and for revealing your word to us, Lord, again, for reminding us some of the things we know or even telling us some things we've never even seen or heard before. But we just thank you for that. And Lord, we pray for the grace. We pray for all that we need, Lord, to wait upon you, Lord. We pray that you will help us, each and every one of us, to just be in that position of waiting upon you, of relying on you every day, every hour, every moment. Lord, we thank you once again. For in Jesus' mighty, precious name we've prayed. Amen.